You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the final episode of Locked On NBA Draft of 2021. Thank you so much for joining me. My name is Richard Stamen, and thank you for making me, uh, for the last time in 2021, your first listen of the day. Uh, it really means a lot. You know, we, just a quick, uh, before I get into the show, you know, it, I started this, uh, I, got, I was asked to join along with Rafael Barlow and Sam with the Draft Dummies. Back in February, did my first episode in March. I was a nervous wreck. Shout out if you listened to that. Um, it was a disaster, and here we are now. It really means a lot, all the support I've gotten from you all over the last eight, ten months. Um, I, I should do better math. That's ten months. Uh, and going forward, and hopefully the next year, and uh, you know this new draft cycle, we're on draft cycle number two. It really means a lot. So I just want to thank you before we even start the show for putting me in your audio, whether, or your, your life kind of, whether it's in your car, whether it's when you're at home, you're trying to fall asleep, and maybe my voice is soothing, even though it's probably not that level. Uh, thank you very much for listening. really means a lot. Today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at truebill.com slash LockedOnMBA. For this final episode of 2021, I figure, why not just review what a year it's been, both NBA stuff and NBA draft stuff? It's uh, it's been a lot. We've gotten you know Memphis, I think, is one of the top storylines. With we got to see Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran much earlier than anticipated. Both were class of twenty twenty two high school, reclassified early in the summer to be able to play this season at Memphis, and now obviously they're on the radar. We've been able to diagnose them a lot. We got the FIBA U19s where a lot of people saw Chet Holmgren in a large scale for the first time, as well as many other players. We got the G League Ignite. The, it debuted this year in February with Jonathan Kaminga, Jalen Green, Isaiah Todd, Dacian Nix. And this year has got Jaden Hardy, Marjan Bochamp, Dyson Daniels, and Michael Foster, and obviously Scoot Henderson for next year. And then, I mean, the replacement players. That was a big thing this year, too, with, uh, you know, a lot of guys that some of us who have dive deep into the draft over the years, we got to see all these guys finally get their shot that they've been long overdue in the NBA. And it's been one of the silver linings of the pandemic, especially over the last month. But I think the replacement players are pretty big. And then obviously the last thing I'll cover is the breakout players. You know, we saw Desmond Bain take a role. We saw the Cavs take a big jump. Uh, All of that coming up on Locked on NBA. So let's start with Amoni Bates and Jalen Duran because I think those are that's probably the biggest story of college basketball over the last six months for the most part. Uh, obviously, there's some college basketball niche things that have happened, like Oregon has been pretty bad, but that doesn't really. There's really not a whole lot of NBA draft stuff coming from that. So I'm trying to keep it focused on the NBA draft side. But Jalen Duran, why don't we start with him? Six eleven, two fifty. I haven't really talked a lot about him, anyways, on here. Um, he reclassified. I had seen him's EYBL tape over the summer from, uh, I want to say, I don't remember when that took place, but it was this year at some point. And he was playing as a junior and got to see some of that. Really felt like he was just bigger than everybody. So I was pretty low on him compared to a lot of people. I had him preseason around 10. Right now, uh, I released my board, which came out, I think it was Friday, Christmas Eve. I have Jalen Duran at six right now, right behind Chet Holmgren at number five. You can go ahead and see that at mavshraft.com. 
But Jalen Duran has been better than I expected. Obviously, there's some work to to be made, you know, with uh, offense outside of 15 feet in particular. That's probably my number one flag is the jump shot is pretty bad. Uh, it's not really good form, and I don't know if he ever gets that jumper. His feel for the game can kind of come and go, and I think he's an iffy decision maker in the pick and roll. I tweeted something out. If you type in Duran Mavstraft and then sort videos on Twitter, you'll be able to see it where he's just very late to react to, to screens. And I know it is partially a Memphis scheme thing where they have the way they have him playing, but also it should be simple reads that he should say, hey, the scheme's not right. This is the right play to make. And he just doesn't really do it. It's minimal sample size. I think there's three videos in there. Understandably low sample size. Maybe he gets better at that during conference play. But those are some flags. Pick and roll defense is big for the NBA, especially if you're a big man. And having offense being able to space the floor is massive in this league. That is that is a thing that we have seen multiple NBA bigs get played off the floor because, granted, Duran does not fit all of this with, and especially this part, the defense. If you're a minimal defender and you can't space the floor, you're not going to see time in the playoffs. And Duran can't space the floor, and I worry that to some extent, you know, if he's going to be limited to the pain, and maybe that holds him back in the playoffs. Luckily for him, Duran is a great great defender. He can switch onto guards. He has incredible lateral quickness. Um, very versatile. I think it, it, it's likely that we're going to call him a versatile defender. He's got some upside as a playmaker. He's made some nice passes so far. He's a really good weak side defender. Can make those blocks if he's the second big. Uh, to give an example of that, the best example I've seen in the NBA this year of that is Mo Bamba with Wendell Carter. They really feed off of each other. One guards the post up and then the other can kind of guard the worst shooter on the floor. It, it doesn't happen every single possession, but there are times where they're both near the paint. One is guarding the post up at the paint, and the other is just hovering right at the border. And that's where Mobamba has really feasted this year. And I think Duran could really feast in that role, too. That's what Memphis does. And obviously, with college basketball, there's no three in the key on defense, so they're fine on that. It doesn't really matter, but he's a really good shot blocker, unreal timing. He can... He can block shots on the move. He can block shots as, you know, someone's attacking him and he's jumping just straight up. He's got the rim protection skill set. And being 6'11", 250 with clearly long arms, the physical profile checks out too. He's a really good athlete in case you didn't figure that out by the whole, you know, being able to shot, block shots. And then also just the way he's versatile, get his good lateral quickness. He dunks a lot. He's really efficient because of that in the paint. So that's my early read on him through non-conference play. Um... They got, they, he still has to work out. Like I said, it's the feel for the game. I mean, he really has to improve that. Granted, he is young and he's playing over his age range right now, but it is something when you're looking at a top pick, you still have to microanalyze it because it is there and it's hard to ignore. Amoni Bates, on the other hand, I haven't done a whole lot of deep dives on him because personally, I think he's in a completely unfair role to him. He's basically being tasked with being a big playmaker that kind of not him. Um, just a little background, Imoni Bates has been labeled as like a phenom by a lot. He was a YouTube sensation uh, without, actually that's unfair because YouTube sensation implies someone who is highlights and not actually that good, but you know, gets, has all the windmills and all that. But again, it's like a four-star recruit. Imoni Bates is a five-star recruit. Like he, he fully is through and through. He's also playing above his age range. He's uh, he's not even eligible for the 2022 draft. He's eligible 2023. At Memphis, he's being asked to do a lot more than he should. They really don't have a point guard. Think of Kentucky last year the same way. Um, he is averaging two turnovers to every one assist he makes. Two and a half to 1.2 is the official ratio. His three-point shot just hasn't been falling. The free throw percentage is, minim is less than we thought it would be. 
And the really bad part, this really hurt him. Over the summer, he measured with a minus three wingspan, measuring out at, I, I want to say it was 6'10", 6'9", with a 6'7", wingspan, which is very dangerous if you are that big. If you're a wing and you measure negative, it's hard. Guards can get away with it because, like, Luke Kennard is probably the biggest player you want being negative, or Steve McIwood. Both of those players, 6'5", uh, 6'6", six, 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 and they both measure out with one inch shorter. Desmond Bain is 6'5", with a 6'5", wingspan. Even he's neutral and it's a flag. You don't want to be any bigger and have a negative wingspan. That is very dangerous. The bigger you are and the even just one inch, I mean, at some point it comes like when you're 6'8", if you're not at least a 6'10 wingspan, it's kind of a flag. So, Amoni Bates already have been raising flags. For me, he's just not making a lot of shots, 37% shooting. I, I think a lot of it is just he's not ready for this stage. I think he's best benefited of going to the G League next year and leaving Memphis unless they really clean up their point guard play, but... I've always, I'm always an advocate of players going pro where you can focus 100% of your energy on your development and especially in an environment like the G League Night where it's so personalized. Whereas Memphis, in any other college, isn't just a shot of Memphis, they're going to do what's best for the team first and then you second. Uh, there's obviously some coaches who have made a good priority of not doing that. Uh, I, I think one is Calipari. I, know it's, I don't know how popular that is because the whole hiding players thing is very controversial, but... Some, some coaches are good at bringing out their players first and then get focusing on the team, but ultimately Penny Hardaway's job is to win games and win the NCAA tournament with a stacked team, which he can't do if he's just trying to say, oh, no, 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 I mean, Mahoney, don't worry. When we're playing you know, Alabama, you, you can do whatever you want. Like, let's develop you. It's, it's not going to work like that. So it's a little bit hard. Um, Mahoney and Jalen Duren, though, I think they're two of the top scoring lines, and I could talk all day about this. I'm sure you can find someone – that could also talk all day about. There's a lot of content on this. Uh, I think that they're going to be one of the more fun duos to watch come conference play. They start up, uh, you know, actually, let me look this up. I should have had this handy before I said this. But they start up conference play. It's, it's sometime this week where it's going to be, they start in January 1st. The first weekend of January is that the latest one it is. And sometime this week they start, uh, okay, found it. After all that stalling, 29th of December. They start tomorrow. Uh, and that's against Tulane, who has been very disappointing. So that should be an easy opportunity. That could actually be a game where Amoni Bates comes out and performs like he should. So when I come back, we're going to talk just real quick, or I'm going to talk real quick about some of the other top storylines of 2021, including the FIBA U19s, the G League Ignite, replacement players, breakout players that have come through in the NBA, and then also some games to watch as conference play starts this week. But first, let me tell you about Truebill. Truebill is a new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need or want or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge service is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. So welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft. Again, uh, thank you for listening to Locked On NBA Draft this year, making me your first listen every Tuesday. Uh, if you want another show to listen to right after this, go ahead and check out Locked On NBA. They have all the local experts. They change it up every day. That's how I get stay in the loop with NBA, know what to watch when I'm you know, going back and re-watching stuff. They're really good on anywhere you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Go check out Locked On NBA. 
So continuing this recap of the 2021 NBA draft year, let's talk about the G League Ignite and uh, and the FIBA U19s and, and the whole replacement players. I'll, I'll go through this a little bit quicker than the last portion, but the U19s I think was a big part of the whole draft process for 2022. It really kicked off the years. A lot of people's first time seeing a lot of players, including myself. I hadn't seen Harrison Ingram. I haven't really seen Jaden Ivey, who was greatly improved this year. I saw him at Purdue, but you know that was kind of the kickstart to him and Johnny Davis of Wisconsin. Those guys got a real nice start to their sophomore seasons. And then on top of that, you factor in Chet Holmgren, the MVP of the tournament. You also had uh, Peyton Watson, excuse me, who has been a little bit disappointing in at UCLA, but he was good there. There's really nobody bad. They walked away with the gold. Kennedy Chandler, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Harrison Ingram. Uh, you know, it, the list goes on. And also Mike Miles for Turner. He was also one of the best players in the entire tournament. Just a really good squad. And I think it really kicked off the draft process. It also showed what Chet is most capable of. I think that was probably the environment best suited for showing off his upside. That was where you got to see the the unicorn in true action, where he was creating plays, he was shooting, he was hitting pull-up jump shots, he was blocking literally everything. It was a lot to show off. I think it was something that helped Mike Miles' uh, you know, whole draft uh, stock. Obviously, he's had a slow start to the year, but still really kick-started him in that direction. And Patrick Baldwin Jr., even though he's been slow at, at Milwaukee, we got to see just how good he is against international competition. And then on top of that, you factor in some of the international players headlined far and away by Victor Wembanyama. Um, he was spectacular for France in the U19s. He's the number one or at worst right now, number two prospect in the 2023 NBA draft, which kind of leads me right into the G League. The other option for one or two would be Scoot Henderson, who has been phenomenal in the G League. If you haven't gotten a chance to see him in the night, the G League is on a pause right now. But when the G League returns in January, I highly recommend catching an Ignite game. Jaden Hardy's really good. He'll eventually get his scoring numbers up. He's shooting in the 30s percent. But, and he's the top prospect for the team this year. But Scoot Anderson is far away the best prospect on the team. Just he's not eligible for 2022. He's He was 17 when he signed with the G League. And he's just been a phenomenal playmaker. He's put up some big scoring games. He's a whole package. I mean, this is a dude, he is a point guard who is going to really light up, I think, a lot of people's boards whenever he is eligible. He's 6'4", and actually he's still 17 until February. Like, he's got another month of being 17, and he's lighting up rows. It's ridiculous. Perfect size. I mean, 6'4 is pretty normal. That's, that's you know, about the small end of the window you want to be at. Great basketball IQ. Really good playmaker. Uh, 195. He'll continue to get stronger. He's not done growing. I'm sure he might grow to 6'5", and 17-year-olds aren't finished processes. So he's really exciting. Uh, just to touch on some of the other guys, I know Marjon Beauchamp is one of the bigger risers with the G League Ignite. I'm, I like him. I liked him out of high school before he, he bypassed college and went to train on his own and then do the G League. But my worry with him is I really don't know if I trust the shot. The percentage isn't that great, and it's not that fluid of a shot, but he's ridiculously efficient within the two-point range. Like... He can do anything pretty much 20 feet and in. And I think that's a very good skill. I still probably wouldn't take him first round because that shot just, to me, screams like a fatal flaw. Dyson Daniels is a really good connector piece. Uh, you know, good size. I think he's a good playmaker. Just not sure he's going to ever be able to... I don't know how to put this right, but I don't want to say run an offense, but he's, he's just not... He's We won't ever see the alpha in him, and that kind of bothers me. But... Uh, if you want to hear more about Dyson Daniels, talked about that last week with Derek Murray. 
he had great insight on Daniels. He can say a lot more things than me to be 100% honest. And that's coming from someone who's seen a lot of Daniels, but Derek hit it on the head with him. Uh, and then you've also got uh, Jaden Hardy, who is a great scorer, really has struggled though. He's shooting again, 30s percent, uh, just really not able to hit shots. Mild separation has been a worry. He went from my preseason number one to slipping towards 10 on my board. He's now number seven. I'm a little bit concerned, but I think once we see him make shots, the public opinion on him will change. And then Michael Foster's really athletic, just not sure he's ready just yet to be a contributor. He'll probably be a second round pick. Uh, so some of the other things that I wanted to touch on, the replacement players. I mean, every day we're seeing new 10-day guys, guys that, you know, were deep cuts in previous drafts. Uh, funny enough, I mean, Tyrell Terry, who was who was a draft Twitter favorite, 31st pick by my Dallas Mavericks, went and got cut this year, was out of the league for personal reasons. Uh, that's pretty much what it seemed. He barely was with the Mavs. And while he is talented, he just signed with the Memphis Grizzlies. He's a replacement player. You're seeing it all across the league where these guys are just going, they're digging deep. And we're seeing guys from this last year's draft, Jordan Shackle with Washington. We're seeing some guys from even 2017 who have stuck, like Davion Reed, or, uh, Davion Reed, excuse me, with Mem uh, Nuggets, excuse me, Denver who has just been a phenomenal role player. Like he's sticking as a top 10 player on that rotation. And I, you know, a lot of people say, oh, it's bad basketball. How can you look forward to this? I don't know. Like if you're a junkie like me, I think this is almost fun. Obviously that sounds very wrong to say something is fun in the middle of a pandemic, but there is truth to it where it's like, you know, you got to adapt to the reality. Like I, I fully acknowledge the situation, but I don't know. It, it's something fun about watching these guys get the shot because my whole stance with the G League, and I'll, I'll take a slight rant here, is the NBA has way more competition or way more talent than it can hold. And I'm in favor of whether it's, I'm in favor of some expansion, whether it's expanding the rosters by one guaranteed slot to making it 16 guaranteed players and two two way players, which would in turn, I think, make the training camp rosters 21 roster spots instead of the 20. Or simply adding an expansion team. And also the G League needs more teams. Like they still don't have a one-to-one. -one. We need a pure farm system. I don't know, I, I just, I feel like the talent is so good and we're seeing it now. There's there's a reason Davion Reed is able to be a rotation player because the talent exists. Marquise Chris is someone who was a, I mean, he's a bust compared to his draft position, but he's been very good for Dallas. And I don't know, you just see it across the league. Everyone's getting a shot and I like it. So I, I know it's kind of unpopular given the whole situation of why it's happening. The why is awful, it sucks. But, I mean, you got to roll with the times, and I think it's actually kind of fun to an extent. Uh, another thing I want to touch on was some of the breakout players this year that we've seen. Uh, let's start with Tyrese Maxey because that actually comes a little bit loaded. The whole Ben Simmons thing, how is that not a top story of 2021? Uh, hasn't played since the summer, since the conference, uh, uh, excuse me, the Western, oh my goodness, the semis, <laughs> the semifinals of the Eastern Conference, excuse me. And... That whole thing is kind of loaded. You know, we saw stuff where Tyrese Maxey might have to go wherever Ben Simmons goes. That was a whole ordeal. And I don't think that's going to be the case because the Sixers sure seem to love Tyrese Maxey. There was a rumor that they wouldn't even part with him if it meant getting gear and Fox. So Tyrese Maxey has taken a big jump. He's one of the best pick and roll players. Uh, guards really, I think he's emerging as one of the best pick and roll guards in the league. He's one of the best young pick and roll guards already, at least. And he's pretty good on the defensive end. Desmond Bain, my guy, if you've followed me for the last year and a half, you know Desmond Bain is one of my uh, big draft hits. I, I had him, I've, I've been following him since 2018. 
well before he was a prospect, and, and it's just great to see. He, he's finally doing everything he did at TCU his final year in the NBA, being more of a creator and playmaker, and he can finish. And that wingspan that teams held over his head doesn't matter. I mean, that, that's a big thing we saw. Then also Cole Anthony from a big disappointment of a rookie season in terms of the public perception. I, I want to clarify, I never saw it as a disappointment. 40% on 13 points per game with 34% from three was not that bad. This was a guy who missed a lot of his freshman season at North Carolina, got to his spots. I wasn't worried about the makes and misses. If you watched the games, you knew he was. this was bound to happen. He got creation. He was lethal off of screens, especially when Vucevic was still on the Magic. He was able to get to his spots and explode. He just The shots rimmed out. You can't really fault the guy for that. And this year, lo and behold, he's probably the most improved player. Won't win most improved, but he is the most improved player. Shooting, you know, 42% isn't a huge jump. 35%, 1% increase from three, but 20 points per game, six rebounds, six assists. The guy's almost a baby, I don't want to say Russell Westbrook, but like in terms of the way he grabs rebounds, man, he reminds me of Russ in that regard. A lot less powerful and a little bit uh, forcing of a playmaker in some ways. But he's young, so he obviously has some of that image in his favor. Cole Anthony has been remarkable. Catch a Magic game if you haven't seen him. He's really fun. I think Jalen Suggs is kind of in for that same thing because I'm finding myself saying all the same things. The only worry I have for Suggs is some of his shot selection. I don't know if he knows how to read defenses as well as Cole did last year, and that kind of worries me. But Jalen Suggs has been remarkable on the defensive end. The Magic fans have loved what he's brought. He's been one of the better defenders, I think, among rookies, in my opinion. So that's a big story. And then lastly, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, they have been perfect in the in the last recent drafts. I mean, you date back to 2018 when they got Colin Sexton at number eight. They have been phenomenal at drafting. It's pretty much, that's the entirely, post-LeBron, they've been perfect. They got Colin Sexton. Then they got Darius Garland, who was a, for one year, his, his rookie year, he was awful. But it was, again, the same thing as Cole Anthony. Wasn't making the shots, not wasn't making the right decisions. Those are two vastly different things, and I, I am I, I really just cannot emphasize it enough. When you're watching a rookie, don't worry about the makes or misses. Are they making the right decisions? Because that stuff scales up year over year. And Darius Garland is another example of that. He's a horrible defender, but a great offensive player and knew how to neutralize that. And I don't think people care about his defense yet. One because he's young and he's not scrutinized. And also, just because he's been so dang good on offense. And then you go to 20, and actually, let's say on 2019, Dylan Windler has been a good player. They obviously hit on Kevin Porter Jr. They messed up, but they still found the talent, right? I mean, that's already three for three. And then you go to 2020, Isaac Okoro, great pick at number five. They could have probably, I mean, he's the best player from five to, God, to tell Tyrese Halbert. That's the only pick they could have made better. Because it goes Okongwu, who I still have a lot of confidence in. He was my number two player. He's been good, just really injured. Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin, Denny Oftia, Jalen Smith, Devin Vassell, and then Tyrese Halliburton. They hit it out of the park. I mean, they, they've done it year over year, and they continue to do it. And they keep finding these gems. And then this year, they got arguably the rookie of the year, Evan Mobley, at number two. So that's a perfect track record post-LeBron. They deserve every ounce of praise, even if they don't make the playoffs this year. They deserve so much praise for how much they've improved from basement dwellers to being a relevant young threat. So I really like that. Um, that's my the end of my rant on some of these new players. But when I come back, let's talk about some of the games to watch this year and let's get back on track with the 2022 NBA draft. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online has recovered this holiday season and New Year's season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football continues through bowl season. The playoffs are about to happen this week on Friday night. 
Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON with one word to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, to all to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2021 22 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available. Bet online where the game starts. So as conference play begins across college basketball or the out-of-conference wraps up this, this season, I want to be able to preview some of the games that are happening this week. Before This is from Tuesday to Sunday. There, there are some good games happening Monday, but, uh, you know, Sunday, I think, is pretty much the end of this week, so I'll stop there and I'll give some honorable mentions for the Monday games. So starting today, by the time you may, like, actually, this starts at 6, so hopefully you're listening before then. UConn versus Xavier. I think that's a really good matchup. Xavier has three NBA prospects, Colby Jones, Nate Johnson, and Nate Johnson's arguably the very best shooter in the draft. And then also Paul Scruggs, who's been a little bit disappointing, and he could use a big conference play to go his way. UConn obviously has had a big name for itself. Uh, they've had Adam Sonogo, uh, Adama Sonogo, excuse me. Uh, he was pretty big during the uh, battle for Atlantis. And then you also have some guys like Jalen Gaffney, RJ Cole, Tyrese Martin. Those guys have also emerged as fringe prospects. So that's a game to watch today on Tuesday. And then another game for today is Boise State hosts Fresno State. That's later tonight. Uh, I'm not sure what the TV situation is for that. It might just be actually local TV, but regardless, it's a game to keep up with, right? Because I don't know if you've heard, I haven't talked about him, but Fresno State has a stud on their team right now. They've got Orlando Robinson. He's a, he's a seven-footer with mobility. He can kind of shoot, and he does just a, a little bit of everything. He's stuffing the stat sheet. He's been remarkable. So I keep up with him. He's a box score watcher. Try and watch a game when he's on the ESPN family of networks. Going to Wednesday, the 29th, there's some other good games on here as well, starting with Auburn hosts, uh, excuse me, goes to Alabama, no, no, excuse me, they host LSU. Uh, that is, for obvious reasons, not just a top 20 matchup, but Jabari Smith versus Tari Eason versus Alex Fudge. Uh, also, Auburn is kind of pretty stacked. Walker Kessler, JD, um, oh my goodness, uh, Katie Johnson, excuse me, not JD, I'm starting to get all the SE team. SEC teams mixed up here. Alan Flanagan is back. Wendell Green. Uh, Zepp Jasper is a very, 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 very deep sleeper. Uh, I don't know if he ever plays in the NBA, but he's a pro somewhere. There's a lot of talent on both of these teams. You've also got Darius Days, one of my favorites, on LSU. Going on to the next game, Seton Hall goes to Providence. Um, this one's pretty much a one-to-one. You've got Nate Watson, who's a really explosive center for Providence. He's probably not going to get drafted, but he's a guy to watch uh, – come, you know, undrafted free agency, summer league, things like that. And then on Seton Hall's end, kind of similar status, maybe a little bit above Nate Watson, is Jared Roden, really good shooter, 6'6", senior. Uh, he's He's got game. So that's the Wednesday games. And then you go to Tennessee, Alabama, which that is uh, – excuse me, that's also a Wednesday game. This is the final Wednesday game. Tennessee versus Alabama, the obvious prospect matchup here is Kennedy Chandler of Tennessee – faces J.D. Davison of Alabama. There's multiple side players on that one as well, but that's pretty much the highlight of that uh, that matchup. And then, excuse me, I keep getting, I keep thinking Wednesday is over. Mississippi State's host Arkansas. I think that's another matchup. I'm a huge fan of Iverson Molinar. Any chance 
to be able to watch him is a great opportunity. Then you've got UCF goes goes and hosts Michigan in Orlando. This is finally on Thursday. The reason I highlight this one, uh, so Michigan has some guys, obviously Musa Diabite, who I talked about last week with Derek Murray, Hunter Dickinson, both are big men. Then you go Caleb Houston, and, and I'm sure that you're going to be able to find somebody else on the Michigan end, but you've also got on the UCF end, one of my favorite sleepers, which is CJ Walker. He's probably going to end up around 80 or 90 on my board. Probably won't emerge on a lot of top 100s, to be 100% honest. Really good athlete, was an Oregon commit. Um, he is 6'8", six, 6'9", six, can shoot. I like his body, I like the tools. I think he's a little upside play deep in the deep in the lottery, so, or excuse me, deep in the draft board. So he's someone to watch. Then Saturday, Saturday is the big day. January 1st is New Year's Day. That's when everybody is starting conference play. You got Texas hosts West Virginia. There's really not a whole lot going on Texas' side, but Tash Sherman on West Virginia is one of the best scorers in the country. Only one game under 15 points this season of production, and the one game was 12 points, so he's never even had a single-digit game this year. Stupid good score, three-level scoring upside, just really good creation. I'm a big fan, and I'm also a big fan of these guys who come from junior college and can emerge like he did. And funny enough, just small world, he and I actually went to the same junior college at different times, but really impressive. Uh, He'd be like the first player ever for mine to be able to go there, which is also cool, but I think uh, from a non-emotional and invested side, Really good score. He's actually worth checking out. And I'm interested to see if that streak of double-digit scoring continues throughout conference play or how long it lasts. And also, speaking of Texas, I, I want to touch on something. One of my favorite freshmen from this last year as a sleeper, I had a long-term sleeper, actually is now on the transfer portal, Jalen Tyson. He followed Chris Beard from Texas Tech when Chris Beard signed with Texas, and now he's transferring. So I'm hoping the best for him and really excited to see where he ends up next. The next matchup, this is probably the number one game of the day for college basketball landscape anyways, but it's a really good draft matchup, is Baylor goes to Iowa State. That's one versus eight. And Iowa State has Tyrese Hunter. He is a long-term prospect probably. He's, he's fallen off a little bit, but really explosive guard. I really like his game. And then on Baylor, why would you ever turn up, turn down a chance to see Kendall Brown, Jeremy Sohan, Matthew Meyer, uh, Everyday John, Jonathan uh, Chop? I'm I, just going to call him Everyday John because I struggle to say his name, and I don't mean that like, offensively. I just, for the sake of not botching his name, I'm not going to say But Everyday John is really good. He's a role player who will be in the NBA one day, energy big. And then lastly, on Saturday, you've got TCU versus Kansas. Obviously, there's a little bit of hometown bias on my end, but Mike Miles versus Christian Braun and Ochai Ogaji. That's a big matchup. Those are three draftable prospects. Christian Braun has really emerged 16 points per game on really efficient shooting. Oche Baji has been the biggest breakout player in college basketball as a senior. And Mike Miles, I think he's going to finally get it right. He has one more game in non-conference against Texas Southern also this week. And I think that'll propel him right into conference play because he started slow, and I don't think that this is the norm. I think he's going to heat up in conference play, which is huge for his draft stock. But Oche Baji, let me tell you about him. If you haven't, if you didn't listen to me in the last process, um, or if you just have, aren't familiar with him, he's a 6'5 wing. Super athletic, really long arms, one of the most impressive athletes I've seen in person. And he's finally averaging 22 points per game. This is through 10 games on 56% shooting, 48% from three, with four rebounds, 1.6 assists, and just under a steal per game. Obviously, that percentage is not going to stay that high, especially from three, even though the shot is very real. 
it's going to go down a little bit. I still expect him to shoot over 40% from three, and the 50% mark is actually attainable, which would be incredibly impressive. He's, he has a chance to be the lone senior to go first round this year, which is really remarkable. So thank you for listening to the 2021 NBA Draft Review, plus some preview of some college games this week. You can find me at MavsDraft on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm excited again to get started in 2022, and thank you for listening for the last year. Uh, to me. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day and happy new year.